Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Don't you appreciate him? Aren't you grateful that you can recognize what mighty really is? St. John chapter 4, verse 23. Let me speak to you tonight again by the help of the Lord on the kenosis of Christ. St. John 4, 23. Now the setting is Christ in Jesus. Talking to a woman at the well with a seed in her. Now she might have stumbled at Jesus had it not been for the Christ. You see the Greeks in St. John came to him. And they said to Philip of Bethsaida, and they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. So Philip telleth John and some of the other brothers, and they come to see Jesus, and when they come to see him, Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Okay. So we've come to see you, and this is what you tell us? But they were Gentiles. This is what they needed to hear. Now, Brother Ben tells us, mighty God unveiled before us in Philadelphia in 1964, that they come to see him, but they could not see him because he was in the temple of his humanity. So now this woman is a Gentile too, half Jew, half Gentile. But somehow or another, she was a little bit different. She was bride type. Brother Bram uses her as far as in the New Testament, one of the most used characters in the entirety of his ministry, St. John 4, this woman. So this is Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, God, humanity, humanity, God, whichever way you want to say it. Now speaking to this woman. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Or in Father and in Son. Amen. Hmm. Those who deny both Father and Son are Antichrist. You see, when I came from Trinitarian into oneness, I was accused of being Antichrist. Because people thought I denied both Father and Son. And I did. Because that's Jesus only. I'm just now getting straightened out, I think. And I'll go ahead and say it for some of you. Some of you all just are too. And some of you ain't yet, but we're praying for you. God's merciful to us, friends. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor to be in your presence once again. Lord, I'm still just rejoicing from the services on Saturday and Sunday. Your presence Sunday was so awesome. 
it just about took our breaths away. We thank you for allowing us to be in such an awesome presence. But Lord, here we are once again. We're hungry. We have needs. We have requests, desires, petitions. And Lord, we believe that once again tonight you've prepared further sustenance for us at your table. So we're asking that you would help us. And Lord, we know that it parallels the spiritual food with the natural food that we don't always know what that natural food's going to do, but we eat whatever food it is. It has vitamin A and B and C and K and depending on what it is, potassium, nitrates, all these different things that's in it. Our body is able to take it into our stomach and hydrochloric acid breaks it down and sends it through our cells and produces energy and all the different things for us. We don't really give it that much thought. We just eat it and we know we enjoy it. Lord, we know it's the same way spiritually that sometimes you'll have things on our plate. We might even think, well, that wasn't for me. I'm going to lay that over for Brother Jim or Brother Joe or Sister Mary. But if you put it on our plate, more than likely, it was for us. So I pray that you'd help us to eat it and be thankful for it. We might not need it tomorrow, but by Friday, we might need a bad need for it. So help us, Lord Jesus, that we're not picky eaters when it comes to your table like we are when it comes to the natural one. Speak to us tonight, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I found it's always a little bit risky when we're trying to project another person. We can even take what people say, and we may hear something, well, brother brother so-and-so said so-and-so, really? Oh, my God, I cannot believe. Oh, my, how, how could they? And sometimes it's not really that what the individual said was wrong, but it's the frame of mind that we hear it. Or it's our opinion of the individual and the way we take what they said, then we sort of bend that and we reflect that person and we repeat it to someone else. Oh my goodness, I can't believe they said that. How in the world when actually they did not say it that way or mean it that way, but it's coming through us. I'm sure all of us have been guilty of doing that to people, and I know we've all had it done to us. But as I look at the person of our Lord Jesus, I do not want to be guilty of taking scriptures or quotes or opinions or tradition and projecting his person in a way to you which is bent or shaped away from the reality of what he is. And sometimes the reason that we hear it the way that we do is because of a bent and warped 
version that we have, and it seems so odd, even when somebody is telling us the 100% truth. But it seems so unusual because of the way we have formulated it and the way we have made it up in our minds. And then when we hear the person of the Lord Jesus projected in the reality of His Word, it seems so odd. And we think, there's no way He can be like that. He cannot be that way. And yet it's Scripture after Scripture and quote after quote and Scripture after Scripture. So God in His mercy will let us hear it and it doesn't change us. And He lets us hear it again from another angle. And it changes us a wee bit. And then He lets us hear it again from another angle. And it changes us a wee bit more. And then we find ourselves looking at what we looked at a month ago when we heard some of these things said. And oh my, we were appalled by them. And we were, oh my goodness, where are we going with this? What in the world is being said? But some of you all ain't near as appalled tonight, are you? And it wasn't because I was wrong. It was because you was. Because I was reading you scripture after scripture, quote after quote. But you see, we take and shape a person's opinion, not only by facts, but through our view. So I wonder how many people that we go to church with that we have the absolute wrong opinion of them. And it's because of our opinion. So we shape our opinion of them through our preconceived ideas. And much of the time we're so wrong. And Satan knows how humans are. So he found out a long time ago dealing with the first human that he tested in the Garden of Eden. That it doesn't really take that much to interject something about God And you can change a mortal's opinion about God very easily. And that's what he done to Eve in the Garden of Eden. To project God, now listen carefully, Satan actually took his own character and projected through reasoning and lies his own character to Eve. And presented that character as if though it was God's character. He then in turn took God's character and represented it again through reasoning and warped her view. And actually placed God's character on himself. So here he makes this switch... And he projects that God is this being that's trying to keep something from Adam and Eve that really is good for them and beneficial for them. Why God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, why he's being mean to you. 
God is being mean to you young people to try to keep something away from you. He still does the same thing today. But he tried to project himself as a giver of enlightenment or a giver of light and by that giver of light that they would be benefited so much why you will be as gods knowing good and evil. It will help you so much. Now watch what he tries to do. He projects to her that God is this mean withholding God that's trying to keep something so good and so benevolent from his children and here you are in the state of innocence and who left you here? That mean God. He could have made you all knowing, but instead of doing so, he created you and left you in the darkness of this streak of humanity. And here I am, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to benefit you. Now watch what he does. He just plays the switcheroo and projected God's character, but actually he was projecting his own character, transferring it to God. Taking God's character, transferring it to himself. Let me go ahead and just make a statement to you. A lot of what is being preached today and called the gospel of Jesus Christ is nothing but the gospel of Satan being preached in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if it was the gospel of Jesus Christ preached in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of Jesus Christ, with the word of Jesus Christ, it ought to produce an Acts 2 church. But if it's the gospel of Satan preached in the name of Jesus Christ, it will produce churchanity. It will produce tradition. It will produce lukewarm church members that are not born again, that cannot overcome sin. Praise the Lord. And it is a powerless religion with no rapturing faith in its content. But now if Satan tried to preach his gospel in his own name, Most of these churches would never have one thing to do with it. If they would stand up and draw a pentagram and hexagram and they would have the blood of goats sprinkling it upon people and all types of things that people think is witchcraft, then these people would run from these denominational churches while they wouldn't have hardly anybody left. But Satan preaches his own gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. So they talk about the blood, they talk about throne, they talk about heaven, they talk about hell, but it is the good news of the devil. Remember the word gospel means good news. So it is the gospel of Satan because it is this good news. God don't expect you to live above sin. That's really good news to unconverted people. 
that's really good news to the Laodiceans that you can't live right, you can never get above sin, you can never live a victorious life. That's great news to folks that don't want to live right. Well, come on now after that. But to a real believer, it's sickening garbage. It's not the gospel to us. That's right. To us, the gospel is the power of God, which releases us from our sin nature and leads us to an everyday overcoming faithful, fruitful life in Christ Jesus. But of course, that's not the gospel that the majority of Christendom wants. But Satan wants again in the last day because here we are again in another Eden. So if we are in Eden, Satan again is preaching. So what's he preaching? He's preaching again to the Eve churches his own gospel, but it's under the auspices or the appearance, false appearance, of the name of Jesus Christ. So he's not scared of the cross. Now, I know they show you on the movies and the books and whatever more of exorcism and all of that. And of course, we know in reality the devil is afraid of the power of God and they will be terrified of crosses and so on and so on. But the devil ain't afraid of the cross. The devil stood right at the foot of the cross. The devil ain't afraid of two wooden beams crossed in that shape. You can hang one on your mirror. You can hang one on your bumper. You can hang one on your rear view mirror, on your side mirror. You can have your car plastered with them and be full of the devil at the same time. That's right, because the cross is used as symbols of jewelry. It's used on all kinds of symbols of rock and roll albums. A lot of these rap singers, look at them. They got crosses on their costumes, crosses around their necks, and they cuss and use office language. Ever was? Come on, friends. That ought to let you know it is an, an twisted, entwined into Satan's gospel of the last day. Get it out of your mind that Satan is afraid to mention the name of Jesus. Where did you hear this garbage at? Satan is afraid to mention the blood. He is not. Satan is not afraid to mention the cross. Praise the Lord. Look at those guys in the book of Acts and they come up going to cast out some devils. And they said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. So they weren't afraid of the name of Jesus, nor was they afraid to try to cast out devils. They did get afraid once them devils come out and made mincemeat out of them. But they was not afraid to use the name of Jesus secondhand, nor was they afraid to try to use exorcism. But what we do is look at the identity of the character that the word produces. And what we want to find is the character of God of where he's identified in the word for our day. Now we can go back to Moses and all those characters in the past and we always refer to them and we always will. But we want to place that exactly where it is that that was in the past. The Jesus of the book of Acts is a wonderful Jesus. He's a magnificent Jesus. But I need to find that Jesus of 2020. I want to find where is that Jesus now or do you all want me to just to preach a Jesus of 33 AD? 
Now, I can talk about him walking on water, and I can preach all the stories that we all know by heart, but to me, we're facing a lot more difficult things than what they faced. And we'll refer to those stories, and we'll go back to them, but I want to find where Jesus is in this hour, because I need the anointing of that Christos released out of his mind in order to help me meet the challenge of this hour. Praise God. Now, then whenever we look at the Lord Jesus and his God by his grace, we'll unveil him before us. What we want to keep in mind is that if Christ himself stepped down, and this is what we want to speak on tonight, about his kenosis, everything that he emptied himself of, it should not be offensive to us in reality to look at that. Now, if I take away from him anything that he did not give himself, then I'm stepping over the line. If you leave anything in him that he relinquished, you also are changing his character. Now some of us tend to think that we're protecting him by doing so. You're in error when you do it. Now it's just as much wrong either way. If Satan cannot cause you to go on this side, he'll try to cause you to go on this side. The most difficult spot is always being in the middle of the road. Now, the kenosis, of course, of Christ is one of the greatest mysteries of the entire reflection of the Bible. Certainly, it involves the Godhead, but it also involves the great mystery of the purpose of redemption and reconciliation and so on. Let's read, if you will, tonight again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. As Paul catches this by the grace of God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, which is and took upon him the form of a servant. So he went from the form of God to the form of a servant. In between the changing of the forms comes the kenosis. Now he cannot go from the amorphe of God into the amorphe of a servant without kenosis. You see him coming down into the form that was humanly visible in the form of Melchizedek was not a kenosis. It was not him taking of his own being and relinquishing and forfeiting part of his glory but him just stepping into another temporary form and then when it went out of that form, that form went back to the dust of the earth. But kenosis is in between the two amorphes. So you got the amorphe of God and you got the amorphe of a servant. In order for this to happen there must be the emptying out of kenosis. So he steps out of the amorphe of God in order to step into an amorphe of man. Totally different than stepping into the pillar of fire, stepping into the cloud, stepping into the bush, taking on a temporary form. But this is a relinquishing, a forfeiting, a stepping back, a letting go of rank, which was his, oh my, in order to become more like you and I. Notice now, so he makes himself of no reputation. And once you notice that Paul the way writes this, that it was not that he was made to do this. So there's not a general overseer over here that's making this little boy relinquish all this. But this is God himself choosing to condescend in the form of humanity or sonship. 
So the kenosis of Christ was that Christ. Now remember, it was not Jesus. Jesus actually, I was studying it, I think it was a Sunday afternoon that I put down these notes, sharing with Carol yesterday, and I'm going to do a little more looking at it, but, but the Lord brought it to my attention that whenever he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, that the Lord Jesus said, whenever he appeared to Paul, and he identified himself, and he said, who, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Now, why did he say, I'm Jesus of heaven? Why didn't he say, I'm Jesus of Logos? Do you understand what he was doing? And as I got to looking at the references of it, that Peter, when he began to preach on the day of Pentecost, uh, and even on further over into Acts, they referred to him several times again, this Jesus of Nazareth. Glory to God. But in reality, it was Jesus of Nazareth not Jesus of eternity. <laughs> because Jesus of Nazareth had a day he started. I wonder what you'll be called. <laughs> I wish y'all could see some of your faces. <laughs> Think of this. He is now raised from the dead. He's already entered into a glorified state, but hey, he's so much identified with his humanity that even though he's raised up into heaven and entered into the dispensation of the Son of God, which is baptism of the Holy Ghost, he, he identifies himself to Paul as Jesus of Nazareth. Praise God. So what will you be, Dow of Johnson City? What are, what, are, what are some of you all going to be? Uh, uh, Mary of Louisville and, and John of Cookville. and You think that that identity, he's already moved into the heavens. But that identity still holds true. Because what? It was Jesus of Nazareth. Praise God. Now, he chose to condescend. Now, this is the, the part that becomes difficult for some, but let's read this, what I read to you Sunday. The essential idea is that of bringing to emptiness, vanity, or nothingness. And hence, it is applied to a case where one lays aside his rank and dignity and becomes in respect to that as nothing. That is, he assumes a more humble rank and station. So as the king that we've been looking at that walks out before his delegates and takes his robe off and tells him, today you will see me for your lifetime as your king. I will be gone for many years. And he lays his robe right on the throne. Now the presence is still there on the throne. But yet the king, the king is now out walking among the people and one day he may look like a wood chopper the next day he may look like a farmer he may be in the occupation of feeding sheep or cattle or whatever more and then the you know the common people did not know him they'd never seen his face they could easily be said no man out here has seen him at any time 
so he could come down from his throne and walk right among them and they wouldn't even know who he was. And yet they might, you know, they might eat lunch with him or he might come up and get coffee with them and, and look right at him and maybe maybe he did not have access anymore to, to fresh water every day to bathe so he would have an odor on his body and maybe he would have mud on his body or his clothes and he wanted to be like them. He wanted to feel like them. He wanted to comprehend their sufferings, their difficulty. And he could not have done that had he walked out of his great throne room and left his crown on and his robe on and his diadem. If he would have come out with the great guards and everywhere he went and said, I, I want to chop wood with the wood chopper. They said, no, no, your royal highness. No, no, we, we, we cannot allow you to do that. We will chop it for you. No, you don't understand. I want to do it myself. Oh, no, no, no. We cannot allow you to do that. No, great king. No, why? Oh, glory to God. His clothes would have told them who he was. His Hallelujah. His immorphe would have forbidden him to enter into the realm of the feeling of humanity. None of them would have ever let him turn his hand, as it were, to do one thing. So he had to mask himself. He had to hide himself. And it was that, that the kenosis that he empties himself out. But now think, it's not just that he re, he reevaluates himself or re configures the outside and he comes with that same fullness of everything that he was but it is a forfeiture of much of what he was now I hope this don't stagger you but he actually comes from all knowing to limited knowledge he comes from being the fount of all wisdom and limits himself to an ability that he learns as a human he comes from omnipotence and omniscience and all present and all of that and then he embodies himself in a body, a human body that will be limited by time and senses. He who is the founder of mathematics, he who is the founder of all the great numbers of the world and yet he come and limited himself to having a human brain and was not born with the understanding of physics and geometry and algebra but one, two, three, four, and five, and seven, and eight. But he actually started out, can I say it, I won't offend you, actually started out knowing nothing. Had to learn to say the very primitive words of mama and daddy and whatever more in the Aramaic language. Left from being all-knowing of omnipotent and emptying himself. Now remember, no one made him do this. But he could not come as that great fullness of all-knowing and everything in that humanity and still say, I understand what you feel. He could not have done that. So he must empty himself. He, he wanted to feel like a baby. He wanted to get sick. Can you imagine? He wanted to get a fever as a child. Child. And maybe Mary lay her hands on him and pray for him in the name of Adonai that the fever would leave him. Maybe as a child getting chills and cold and whatever things that would come through. As a teenager, as, as other teenage boys getting around him and wanting to do 
various things of whatever the sins were of that day. As a young man, as being 18, 19, 20, 25, on up, he wanted to live that life as a person, listen now, as a person without the Holy Ghost. He wanted to feel. He wanted to understand. So he's not just here. Look at this friends. He's not just here for his elect. Which will get born again. And have their Jordan River experience. But he also wants to reach out to those beyond the Lamb's book of life. Over into the book of life of those who will never receive the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. But he wants to save them too. He wants to hear their prayers too. He wants to help them too. So he must, don't you understand why? He must live a great portion of his life without the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So he forfeited that glory that he had with the Father. Now when I say Father, I mean that great invisible God, that light which is there in that presence, that immutable, ineffable as we described it Sunday. That great something that was part of him. Notice in St. John 17, 5 again. Now Father glorify thou me with thine own self. So the glory was the Father. The Shekinah it was, was actually the Father. Glorify me with thine own self. With the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So let the glory which was upon me, the Christ, my divine nature. Now this is at the end of the journey, of course. He's getting ready to be crucified. And he's going to be raised from the dead. Now he's praying for what? That his body will soon enter in to the same glory that his soul had. Now remember the body was born of a virgin. The body had a day it started. So what's he doing? He's praying the eternal effigy of God. He's praying the image, the glory, which was on him before the world began. He's praying it over on his flesh. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you understand, friends? That's what the body changes for us. Those of you that has got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're born again tonight, you've got that glory of God in your soul. What do you keep hungering for? Why, why, why does it bother us when we get sick and get down? Why do we still have these things? Because this body ain't changed. This body has not been glorified, but we're wanting it to be. Why do we pray? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Why? In order that our bodies may enter into that glory, which our attribute was part of before the foundation of the world. We don't remember it like him, but we take his word. We were there. Oh, praise God. Let my whole being, let my whole being, my humanity and my deity merge back into that glory that I had with you before the world was. Notice Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession or confession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. 
Listen what the word infirmity means. Want of strength, feebleness of health, to bear trials and troubles, to feel weakness. So you know what that tells me? Our Lord Jesus was weak. Our Lord Jesus felt feebleness, lack of strength. Now he chose to do that. We don't. Which of you choose lack of strength to strength? Which of you choose sickness to health? I know there's a few poor mortals that do, but God help them. Most of us would rather have health, would we not? Wouldn't you rather have peace and trouble? Those of you that like trouble, there's something wrong with you. Come up here, I'll pray for you before service ends. But the Lord Jesus chose. He left perfect health. And he connotes us out of a body which could never get sick. And stepped into a body which could feel strength. Jesus felt disappointment. Jesus not only was hurt and run down and had lies told on him by his enemies. But his closest friends forsook him. His closest friends, those that were his brothers. I was sharing a scripture with me the other day that he had read. Whenever Jesus was going to go up to the feast. And his brothers came to him, James and Josie and Jude and all them. Now, this was what St. John 7, when Harry saw the, uh, several, several miracles that already transpired. And the scripture said that his brothers come to him and said, Hey, why don't you go up to the feast and show yourself? Said, so no man really that's, you know, that's a great person like you claim you are. No man ever wants to remain by himself. So why don't you go on up and show yourself? Because the Bible said even his brethren did not believe in him. Now you can imagine James, Josie, Jude, and those brothers, Sister Salome, and those, they were raised in the same house, being Joseph's children, raised in the same house that Jesus was raised in. And they still did not believe in him. So don't feel too discouraged if your husband or your wife or some of your children struggle and you think, well, I must be a failure. No, not necessarily. These guys were raised right in the very home of the Lord Jesus. They had seen him turn water into wine. They seen him do all kinds of miracles. And they still didn't believe in him. Now remember, this is the foster brother Jude that we read, of course, in the New Testament. But something happened to Jude. He must have got a conversion. So you see, even living in the same house with Jesus. Let me go ahead and say it. If Jesus lived in your all's house... If he was there seven days a week, week without end, months without end, unless you wanted to serve him and live for him, even Jesus, a living person living in your house, still would not make you a believer. You would have to want to accept his way, right? And yet you also wonder if the humanity of Jesus was not so overwhelming that they lived right with him brother Wade and they saw the human side they saw Jesus get sick like they would get sick they would fall down when they were kids maybe Jesus would fall down bruise his leg come in the house you know Mary doctoring him and stopping the bleeding and Jesus crying and they, did they see so much of his humanity and they saw the merging together of the deity after the river and they just did not understand who he was so it was just easier just to not believe in him 
It's too complex. It was too complex. Notice, and the very reason that he did this, Paul tells us, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our want of strengths or our, our weakness or our lack of energy. You imagine Jesus being at the spot that he allowed himself. Now remember, it was not that he was this weak, puny, something, another. No, he was the almighty God. But he forfeited that in order, in order to understand you. Don't you understand this whole thing that I'm preaching to you? You understand what it's about? It's about you. It's about his love for you, his care for you. Praise be to God. In time, it had so much value to him. He's going to have 2,000 years, seven church ages of mediatorial work, millions times millions of people. So it's not just eternity and the far beyond that he's concerned about. If that was it, just go down and die on the cross, give his blood and forgive it, go back up into heaven, and then save him, let you go through this life struggling up and down and in and out. After all, you'll be saved in eternity. He said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to go down there and I want to chop wood with a wood chopper. I want to live the way they live. I, I, I want to be without strength. And you imagine him standing there in eternity and deciding, I want to condescend. I want to leave all that I am. I know everything. But I want to come to the form of a baby that I know nothing. I can heal, I can create, I can do what I want to do, but I want to condescend to such a level that I will depend upon a woman to carry me. A woman to feed me when I'm born. A man and a woman to teach me words. How great thou art. (laughs) You see, friends, why this is so hard for people? Human beings, they just can't relate to this. You take somebody and they get a little education. You take some of our kids around the message and they get a, get a degree or two. And boy, they think they're smarter than the pastor. They think they're smarter than mom and daddy. They know more than anybody. You think because you've got a degree in something that makes you smart with God? Makes you smart with all the things of life? That's why we call people know-it-alls. Well, here was the true and original know-it-all. Without the attitude. He literally knew it all. He still knows what man still don't know. He knew it all, but he said, I cannot go down there and feel for Dolly if I go down there with all of this. So I strip myself of my omnipotence. I strip myself of my omniscience. I strip myself of all knowing. I strip myself of all strengths, perpetuity. I strip myself of eternal life. Praise God. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched 
with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Verse 14, verse 15 leads into your victory in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Why? Because we have a high priest. Oh, that feels sorrow, that feels agony, that feels hurt when people let you down, feels hurt when people, your friends, turn their back on you. Uh, you know, imagine him dealing with the sin and the suffering and all of that of going to the cross and then thinking of Peter, thinking of John, of James, all of those men. I'll go with you, Lord. Oh, I'll go with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus said before this night, all of you will flee away from me. And he knew it was prophecy, but you know as a man, he had to allow himself to have hurt feelings. How many has your feelings hurt every now and then? Oh my goodness, we got a bunch of them walking dead folks here among us tonight. They don't even feel, wow. We're really honored to have y'all here with us tonight. I'd like to talk to you after service. I'd like to know how it feels not to get your feelings hurt. How many of y'all get your feelings hurt? Maybe you misunderstood. Oh, so y'all ain't dead after all. Okay. You imagine the Lord Jesus feeling his feelings hurt. Disappointment. Sadness. Sorrow. And as he looked at his Sunday, having nothing to leave his mother, there he is dying on the cross. A pauper, he has nothing to give her. Thinking about your soul but also thinking about what she going to do after I'm gone. So he asked John from the cross, John, behold your mother, woman, behold your son. Why? He so thought of everything. He had no place to lay his head. He had no inheritance to leave her naturally, but he wasn't just concerned about supernatural. Here's his mother. How's that going to look? If he buys our soul and takes care of our soul and he left nothing for her and she's in poverty. Praise the Lord. Don't get so spiritual that you forget about your earthly duties and responsibilities. Now watch in Hebrews 5, 7. Oh, I love this verse. Who in the days of his flesh. Of course, the word flesh is also used to denote human nature. So here in the days of his partaking of human nature, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying. So Jesus is not saying there, Oh, Heavenly Father, now dear God, I pray. I know this is just an act and really it's no big deal. I'm just going to act like I'm suffering Um, so just help me give me a little bit of time here father and I'll be able to take care of this if he did that he's a hypocrite and he ain't no hypocrite so he wasn't just praying but crying the word does not mean weeping as the word crying it means 
outcry. Listen to the meaning of this. Outcry. The voice of wailing and lamentation. It is the cry for one for help who is deeply distressed or in danger and refers to his earnest petition. If we would have heard him, we would have probably been scared. He would have probably been wailing and moaning and lamenting with strong crying. It probably would have been absolutely pitiful. It would have been pitiful. Then with that background, here is this pitiful lamenting going on. And the disciples go to sleep. He's wailing, wailing, lamenting, crying, shouting. And they go to sleep. That would be real encouraging, wouldn't it? So you go up to your buddies, your friends, and you say, cannot you watch with me one hour? Can't you just one hour help me? Pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is indeed weak. Pray. And he goes over and chives them and speaks to them, and what do they do? Go back to sleep again. Oh my you imagine the disappointment, Brother Larry? The feelings of hurt? You, talk, you think you feel alone? No, my friend. If you've got Jesus, you never will be this alone. Lord God, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, was strong crying and tears... Unto him that was able to save him from death. Father, save me. Please. But God could not answer that prayer. Glory to God. He was not delivered. Now listen carefully. He was not delivered from death, but out of death. How many of our loved ones have we prayed that God would deliver them from death? But God said, no, that's not my plan for their life. I don't want them being delivered from death right now. I want them delivered out of death and the morning of the resurrection. And we pray and we pray. And so, oh God, why didn't you hear my prayer? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Jesus' prayer was not answered concerning this petition. Concerning that. If it be thy will, with strong crying and tears. And he was afraid. Can you imagine Almighty God experiencing this type of fear and humiliation and shame? Oh Lord. Oh Lord was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. How many still gets afraid? 
I'd raise the other one up if I could. You get afraid of trials. You get afraid of what the government will do. You get afraid of world conditions. You, sure, it's a human thing. I'm so glad. Can you imagine him looking at all the spectrum of what he had to lay aside? He must lay aside perfect, complete confidence and step out into trust. Trust. He must step out of absoluteness, perfection, and step into fear and uncertainty. And I'm not sure. Jesus, when you're coming back, I don't know. Only the Father knows that. He's kept that from me. You see, friends, why this is so hard for us? Because in our minds, it's always higher, 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 more, more, greater, greater. And a lot of us, the more we know, the more arrogant we get. And the more know-it-all, and the more smart aleck. Which is the exact opposite. It ought to be the more that God reveals to us, the more humble it makes us. Those that are supposedly having some great supernatural experiences and this going on with God and that going on with God and they're getting more arrogant and more arrogant, I know right there they're missing something. It's opposite to the work of the Lord Jesus. If the Lord Jesus is doing great things through you, then praise God, we will see those great things expressed through greater humility in your life. Not pride and arrogance. Looking down on others, exact opposite. So he... he, forfeited full and complete authority to come to the earth and be subject to Joseph, Mary, the Torah, Roman law. But in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, Notice what happens immediately after the resurrection. Full restoration. (laughs) The forfeiture is now over. The time delay has now completed. What did he do? Oh, glory to God. At the resurrection, the circle of time was now complete. He enters back into the Father's glory. And one of the first things he says is, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He could not say that till after the resurrection. All glory. Why? Because now Christ Jesus has become into the perfect union of the Father's glory, which Christ had before the foundation of the world. Now Christ Jesus has it. One day you'll have it the same way. Hallelujah. You'll enter into that glory that was in his thinking of you before the world began. The exaltation came. The authority returned. Why? Because of self-denial. The reward for kenosis. You lay aside all authority. You get all authority back. Plus a wife. 
<laughs> this is the crown of his sacrifice. He is now crowned after his suffering with the restoration back to the glory that I had with you. Except now he takes something that he didn't have. A permanent glorified human body. Jesus became the permanent human glorified body of God. God didn't have one. Woo, I feel I shouting a little bit. God didn't have one of them until Jesus came. This is my part of the earth. And from this part of the earth, I will redeem the rest of it. Amen. It was Christ that had that authority. It was Christ that created the world. It was Christ that did all this. Now it's merged into Jesus Christ, the perfect God man. Can't you see what heaven's going to be? We're not going to be angels. We're not going to be theophanies flying around in heaven. Heaven is going to consist of God people. Hallelujah. God people in glorified bodies. You see, this power continues on in his mediatorial kingdom down through the church ages. Till he has put all enemies under his feet. Then when the last enemy, which is death, shall be destroyed, then he shall turn the kingdom over to God, that God may be all in all. Well, praise God. Notice Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made. Notice the way Peter separates it. That same Jesus. Amen. The very person who suffered, he raised the same body. That same Jesus. Now this is important, of course, of the gospel message of the Jews. But they can realize it was not, as, as they would start believing in the first church age, that it was just simply a spiritual appearing, and it was not actually a human body. It was a human body. And Peter said, I want you all to know, that same Jesus that you crucified, God has raised him up, and now he's sitting on his throne. Can you imagine them Jews? What? What do you mean a human, a carpenter, a boy, a man? He's not this Joseph, the carpenter's son. He said that same Jesus that you have crucified. God, that's, well, hallelujah. Don't you understand how this connects with you? That same Jesus, that same Jim, that same Dow, that same whoever you are, that the devil has tormented one day. of God hallelujah he is the first of this new race my body don't like me sometimes is yours sometimes you make it do things it don't want to do 
Sometimes it wants to stay home or it wants to feel sorry for itself or whatever more. And you, the real you on the inside said, get out and get dressed. I don't feel like getting dressed. I told you, get your britches on. Of course, that's only if you're a man. You get up and comb your hair and brush your teeth. You're going to church. What if I do go? I ain't getting in. Oh, no. If you go, you're getting in. I need some hands to clap. I need a voice to say, oh, hallelujah. I need some hands that I can. I might even need your feet so I can dance around a little bit. I don't know. But if you're going, you're not going to be a spectator. You're going to be a participator. Our bodies are professional excuse makers. Uh, oh, it's a quarter after five on Wednesday. I've been feeling fine all day. My lumbago. Oh Lord, I can't hardly move. Uh, my big toes aching. Oh goodness, my earlobe, it's about to fall off. My bursitis, my lymphitis, my toaditis, all my other itis brothers. They've all kicked in at the same time. It's amazing how y'all get delivered about 7.15 or 7.30 after you stayed home. And then you get well enough to go to Walmart or Kroger and stream on your way down and on your way back home. Don't you understand you're letting the devil rob you? Oh, hallelujah. That same Jesus that you have crucified, that same Jesus that they hate is the same Jesus we've got right here in this building tonight. This same Donnie that the devil has tormented, this same Donnie that the devil has aggravated, this same Donnie is going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. The power of God come on this earth. same body the same soul went back into that same body (laughs) the same Jesus whom you have crucified that's what you've done with him but I'll tell you what God done that's what you've done but God hath made him both Lord and Christ. Ah. So Jesus now becomes the new trinity of the New Testament. This same Jesus. This same Jesus. God hath made both Lord and Christ. Lord, Jesus, Christ, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, brother, sister, that's quite a trade-off, don't you think? It's quite a trade-off to be able to kenosis everything that he was and come down here and live the way he lived and go back and take a glorified body and redeem millions of people that'll live on the face of the earth and when it's all said and done, kick that old devil down in hell and burn him up and we will live through eternity who? Our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer.
God has made him both Lord. The word Lord is proprietor, master, sovereign, ruler of all things. And Christ, Messiah, anointed one. Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was born Jesus, but he became Lord Jesus Christ. I was born Donnie. <laughs> oh, some of y'all's heart never stopped, didn't it? <laughs> Don't you see what he's doing? You're following in the same line. Oh, you say, but Brother Donnie, you don't know how low I am. Don't you understand the degree of lowness? You've never stepped that far. You was born that low. He stepped lower than you was ever born. Oh, my goodness. Don't you understand how great it is? Oh, you say, I'm so low. I'm so low. You ain't never been as low. The lowest mortal that ever lived on the face of the earth never went as low as he stepped down. He stepped from eternity. He stepped lower than any human could ever go, yet without sin. Mary, did you know your baby boy? Did you know that one day he would be both Lord and Christ? Did you know that baby, that flesh, would one day sit on the throne of God and be the invisible image of the invisible God? Well, Brother Donnie, it must have been an honor for you. I'm sure it was. But do you know that same Lord God lives in your heart tonight? And that same Lord God that has embodied Himself in your body and one day a similar thing can be said about you? That same Carol, that same Erica, that same Barbara that went through mortal trials, that went through earthly temptation, that same son, that same daughter, that same young person, that same individual, it'll be them same ones, glory to God, hallelujah. It'll be them same ones that'll be raised from the dead. Or if they're alive, they'll be changed that very same one devil you thought you would get them they were born a Reagan they were born a Smith but I had another plan I had another oh glory to God because of my kenosis forgive me for acting so church of Christ tonight Philippians 2.9 Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. As a reward for His humiliation and His sufferings and his act of condescension. Now remember, it was not the name of Christ that was exalted above every name. It was the, not the title, Lord. Kyrio. 
That's what the Greek word is, Lord. Kyrio. It was the name Jesus. So God took, God took a human being with a human name, born with a human nature, exalted that nature, glory to God, on the river Jordan, filled it with the Holy Ghost, then waited for these years of victory to come out. And once he come out of the grave, under the resurrection sign, crowned him Lord and Christ. And said, now, I give you a name that is above Muhammad. It's above William Branham. Donnie Reagan. Any other name you want to name. That at the name of Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. Again. Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Whoa. Not at the name of Christ? Don't you understand what Christ is? Christ is the anointing on the position. Lord is what? Another title. Master. Possessor of all things. But the human name was Jesus. He could have chose George, Jack, Donnie, Fred, whatever more. But he chose his human name to be Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Well, I'd like to say glory to God. I've done fulfill my part on that. I'm still bowing. Of things in heaven, of things in earth. Hang on, devils. You're going to bow too. And things under the earth. Lord of mercy. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, can you imagine all the lost before they're thrown into hell confessing he's Lord? Every time. Mohammedan, sheiks, Jains, whatever they are, makes no difference. I don't believe in Jesus. You may not now, but you will then. Ephesians 1.20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his The first pair of human permanent feet that God had. Maybe a little guy, about 130 pounds, five, seven, eight, something like that. Not a real big fellow. Look at his feet that might look similar to any of the brother's feet here. Maybe a little darker skinned. The seed of Abraham. 
And God actually took them feet that the Romans pierced. Said, this is what you've done with them feet. This is what I'll do with them. I'll put every unbelieving devil under them two human feet. Whew. I wish I was out in the woods by myself about right now. Because if I act the way I feel, I'd scare about most of y'all to death. Oh, glory to God. Not only, Brother Darrell, is he talking about the natural body, but what about that mystical body of the Lord Jesus, the bride? Brother, I'm telling you, he ain't going out of here. We ain't going out of here. A bunch of defeated people that's barely hanging on. We're not going out of here. One day that, oh, thank God, we finally made it. I barely existed. Nonsense. We have our ups, our downs, our tests, our trials. But every child of God, you are absolutely unstoppable. Satan can never stop you. He may knock you down, but you cannot stay down. You are a part of the resurrection and the life. There's not enough in hell. There's not enough devils in Laodicea to stop the bride of Christ. She is Christ himself in bride form. You are unstoppable. You are unmovable. You cannot turn back. You cannot go back to what you were. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness the fullness of him that filleth all in all First Peter 3.21, the like figure wherein to even baptism does now also save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Don't you see what it was? A transfer from the kingdom of God. The invisible to a God-man. You see, those without revelation, when they read these scriptures, it makes it sound like there's two. It makes it sound like there's a superior being giving something to an inferior being who's less God. It's only him turning it over to himself in another office. and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. His divine attributes are now they've taken on human personification. A human being has come into the realm of Godship. Y'all think I'm crazy anyway. I might as well just go on. <laughs> 
He had no power to do miracles. Until the father came in at the river. He divested himself of that authority. Let's stand. So I wonder if we could ask him tonight, was it worth it, Lord Jesus? What do you reckon they'd answer? So I wonder if we could go beyond the curtain of time tonight and ask some of those who've sat here with us. I went by the road up there where Brother Sister Terrell lived and <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago and they had that sign up there, that auction sign of the, her property, and I passed that military. I just felt really sad, you know, their house number and their address, and I thought, that's just sad. You know, their house being sold, their property being sold, their personal items being sold, but I thought, they've got a better house, better personal property. <laughs> I wonder if we could ask them tonight. They ain't been there that long. But I wonder if we could ask them, hey, y'all got any regrets? Uh, uh, Sister Jane, do you, uh, do you really hate it that you wore dresses? Are you, are you really fighting a battle now that you're in the sixth dimension of the saints of God? Are you fighting a battle because you let your hair grow out? And... If they could slow down from shouting and praising God to answer us, they'd say, Brother Don, you preached about it. You don't have a clue. Tell the people it's more real than we ever thought. It's greater. It's more sublime. It's more perfect. Tell them to keep pressing. Press the journey. Keep pressing. Hallelujah. Tell them not to fear either. When we got ready to cross over, it's just a moment and was moved from one dimension to another. Praise God. Don't you understand, friends, when Brother Brandon preaches and in the adoption, and he brings up about the theophany and describes it a little bit about that land. And said they're there in that rant, land in the presence of God, and said so they look down through there and they see them grapes. Said they can't eat there, can't drink. Said one day we'll go back to Earth and we'll take up bodies. Amen. And there we'll eat and drink. We'll gather around His throne and say, "Oh, Papa." I was lost and you found me. But you think, could there be anything greater than a theophany? Glorified body. That's the three. It takes three to make a perfection. It's you, the attribute, which leaves this life, moves into the theophany. But you're just two. Therefore, if you have died and entered into the theophany, what happens? The theophany brings, brings you here. You. Pick up that body. So the body's laying out there. He speaks and calls the body. But if you're here, you, notice how he said that. If you are here, you take the body to meet 
the theophany. So look at it this way. On heaven's side, it's like this. Seed in the theophany. And they're coming to meet their body. Three. We're here. We're here. We take our body to meet the theophany. (laughs) One plus two equals you. (laughs) Glory! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word, Father. You're just making it plainer and plainer to us. Thank you, Father. And I'm amazed because when I started studying this and you pulled me off on this, I thought, wow, this is going to be something about the deity of the Lord Jesus, apparently. I just don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm so amazed. It's not just leading to you, but it's pulling us into the revelation right along with you. Thank you, Father. Oh, if we could live in the realm of the soul all the time, how blessed we would be. But the reality of it is you knew we would be more in this body than we'd be living under the impulse of the anointing. We get to get there and it seems only for a moment and we have to leave again. Lord, I love being in church and being in your presence. And I hate leaving it. And then, Lord, we have to go back out into this world and hear all the political mess and all the diseases and this and that that's on the earth. Earthquakes and shaking and terrible things happening. And we long to be back into your presence again, Lord. Father, we know there's going to come a time when we'll never have to leave it again. It's hard to imagine living in a world where one leaf will never turn yellow and fall to the ground. We'll never have a little sod bank mound up and bury a baby. We'll never have no funerals, no hospitals, no nurses or physicians needed there. No tribunals to judge the bride. Thank God. The Lord Jesus, help us to keep it properly before us that the things that we go through in this life are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us at that day. I see it now, Lord. I'm seeing it more and more. I understand why we so crave and what we so hunger for. We're praying for that glory that you prayed for in St. John 17, 5. Glorify thou me. With thine own self. I don't want money. I don't want riches. I don't want fame. I don't want the world. I want you. I want you. I've got you in my soul. But I want you in my body. So it'll stop old age. It'll stop hurt feelings. Anxiety. Stress. You in my soul stopped 
the longing for sin. Glory to God. When you move in my body in that measure, you will stop my cells from aging. My bones will never get a day older from that day on. My hair will turn back dark brown like it was. Praise God. And I'll be known as whatever my name is from Happy Valley, I guess. No doubt we'll still have that earthly identity. Praise God. Help us, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful, Father, that you're so mindful of us. As I mentioned it tonight as well as Sunday, that there you were on the cross, the sins of the world on you. Our souls are going to have to go to hell and all that that lays before you. But you are the perfect balancer. So you looked at Mary, the one who gave you birth, knowing you had no money, no inheritance. I don't think you just said things just to say them. You must have felt in your heart she needed provision. And John must have been able to do it for her. There you were, souls hanging in the balance, facing hell. But you looked at Mary's natural need. It shows us how great you are. So Lord, I pray you'd look at us tonight. Maybe we have some Marys, as it were, in the building. Or some that streamed. And we've talked about heavenly things and wonderful things of what it's going to be after a while. But I believe you're concerned about Mary's present state. So maybe they're fighting sickness in their body. Lord, maybe they, they need a move in their finances. Children, husband, wife. Lord God, I pray. Based upon your past behavior, we believe you're just as concerned tonight about those earthly pressing needs as you were then. Would you minister, Lord Jesus, to this visible audience and then go out, I pray, to those who have streamed and those who will archive. And Lord, I know the church don't realize, but that audience out there is many, many, many times larger than what they see here. I pray, God, you'd be mindful of your children all over the world, Father. Help your bride. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for kenosis. I want to be one of those through eternity who adores, magnifies, exalts, worships, loves, continues to be in your presence forever and forever. And I'm not going to wait until then. I'm going to do it while I'm going that way. I love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Can we just worship Him just a bit before we go? I know you kids got school tomorrow. All that sort of thing. But let's, let's just take a, a couple minutes if you would. Praise God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you with all of our hearts. Thank you, Father.
before you came here, you had angels and just what few mortals there were on the earth at that end of that Jewish age that were loving you and praising you. But by your kenosis, now you've gone back into the praise of those angels. But Lord, you've got your people all over this earth. You've also gathered millions in the sixth dimension right under the seventh there. And they are worshiping and adoring and praising. If we could simply follow in the pattern that you did. Oh, you'll require us to give up things. You'll require us to let go of things. But it will so be worth it, Lord. There will be times that you'll explain why. We have to give it up and there's other times you don't. Explanation doesn't always come with your commandments. Sometimes you command and give the explanation later. But a real child wants to obey you whether we understand you or not. And then many times after we do it, you give us the explanation. But Lord, there's many things we'll wait till we get there to understand. Oh, but Jesus, we know you do all things well. Praise God. Praise God. Can all of us now just raise our hands for just a, a few moments in his presence and just close our eyes and just make love to him now with all your hearts. Praise God, you have been beckoned into the secret chambers of the Almighty. He's dropped the curtain behind you to pull you in to the inner sanctum of His great presence. Hallelujah. You who were guilty, you who were lost, we who were in such darkness, we seem beyond redemption. But here we stand tonight, miracles of grace, miracles of mercy. How? Because He became poor, that we through His poverty might be made rich. As I told you Sunday, He laid aside His God wealth that we might get our God wealth back. Amen. Oh, Laodicean wants natural wealth, natural riches. That's not what He's promised us necessarily. What we need to focus on is that God wells. Those riches which are laid up for the people of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord God. You're worthy. Holy, righteous King. We bless your name. You were the word Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One with God the Lord most high. Yes, Lord. Hidden glory in creation. Now reveal. I cry.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Darrell, would you come and dismiss us, brother? Remember, Brother Darrell is leaving tomorrow for France. Gonna be over there this weekend speaking with Brother David and the saints there. Pray for him. God will just go with him, be with him in the meetings, bring him back home safely to us. Praise the Lord. That's about it. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence, Lord. Father, I remember when I was a little boy, my mama telling me that when I was scared or when I felt lonely, that I could whisper the name of Jesus. Lord, I remember when I went into the army Remember, Lord, those times we scared. Remember the name of Jesus. Lord, the mountains of Nicaragua, different places, Lord, when you call upon your name, there is no greater name. You speak the name of Jesus, you're speaking an excellent word. And not only, Lord, we come to realize that it's the name of the family of God. We come under the umbrella of the characteristics of that very name, Lord. We are so grateful for the revelations, Lord, that you've given us these These great truths, Lord, that illuminates our souls, that touches our heart, and the juice comes out our eyes, Lord. We're so grateful. We can't thank you enough, Lord. We can't love you enough, Lord. I'm so glad nobody has to make me bow my knee with great admiration, with great respect and great love. We bow our knees to you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for this word we've heard tonight. Lord, how it stimulated our souls, Lord. We ask that you go with your people, Father, and make their way back home, Lord. Give them traveling grace. Lord, may we think about these things that we've heard. Oh, Lord, may our souls say amen to these things that we've heard, Lord, for saying amen to the word we're saying. Let that word that spoke, let it, let it belong to me. Let it be a part of me, Lord. We say amen to this word that we heard, Lord. Bless Brother Donnie, Lord, renew his strength. What an honor it is to serve with you, Lord. Bless your little bride around the world, Father. We just love you. We thank you to, tonight for all that you've done for us, for all that you've given us. We ask, Lord, for traveling grace tomorrow. We ask, Lord, you... Watch over my family. Keep them safe, Lord. We just love you, Lord. Commit these servants, these people into your hands for your glory. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Dismiss the fear of the Lord.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing some, brother. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was great. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Powerful name it is, the name of. 
beautiful name. 